Hey, Brendan, it's Tadis. Hey, Tadis, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm on the line with Brendan Maluli, who's an investment advisor at Maluli Asset Management. I, I asked him on today to talk about a recent post of his entitled, I Need Behavioral Coaching, Said No One Ever. There's this idea in behavioral economics and finance called bias blindness, and the idea being that we can see behavioral biases easily enough in other people, but we have a hard time identifying them in ourselves. So, so Brendan, if one of the biggest potential value adds for uh, being an investment advisor is behavioral coaching, how do we get clients or potential clients to recognize this? Yeah, huge issue trying to uh, to give people something that they don't necessarily uh, don't necessarily believe that they need. Um, I had always had a little bit of a hunch that this behavioral coaching was kind of uh, taken as maybe uh, a, a nice service that we offer to our other clients uh, or something or something similar, um, because. It, it really is tough to to admit sometimes that that we need help, uh, and and I think that some of that stems from just the nature of uh, maybe offering behavioral advice uh, to others. I mean, I think it to to be a recipient of behavioral advice, you you have to be able to admit that that you have some flaws that you need help with, and that's that's not always easy uh, for any of us to do, and. That necess- that isn't necessarily exclusive to uh, to finance. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that you see in the business of advice that you know it's very much a sort of a relationship sort of business, and I think that you can see how um, you know being able to talk to someone on you know be able to reach them in a way that, like you said, is non-threatening and sort of. Uh, recognizes, for lack of a better term, their humanity, I think is really important. And, you know, I, I think, you know, the idea of behavioral coaching sounds, you know, I think part of the reason why you wrote the post is that it sounds somewhat, um, you know, sort of intimidating or uh, to a potential client. And so I think, uh, you know, being able to reach them on that level, I think is important. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's almost, it's almost like a in, insulting almost. It, it, you know, puts the advisor in the position of being maybe like the the responsible adult in the relationship that has to put the child into timeout when that is is almost certainly not the case. And uh, a, a point that I made in the post was that behavioral coaching is not uh, the the need for it is not predicated upon its recipient being crazy or stupid or reckless or anything like that. It's it's also not predicated upon. Uh, the purveyor, the advisor, being a genius, uh, a stoic, or you know somehow completely in control of their emotions, as if that's a thing that even exists. It's just predicated upon all parties in the advisor-client relationship being human beings, and and it's so much easier for me to say to someone else, "Hey, uh, that that may not be the best decision, and here's why." Uh, it, it's so much easier for me to do that than for somebody to recognize on their own. Eh, this isn't this isn't a great this isn't a great decision. Maybe I should maybe I should think about doing something different. Uh, it's it doesn't come naturally. Yeah, no, I was you know you made that point about uh, you know both clients and advisors being humans, and you know in a, in a post a couple of posts ago, you asked a bunch of people uh, in kind of the the investment business to write about some of their own behavioral biases and what they might have done to. Uh, to uh, offset them. And I thought that was a really sort of interesting 
exercise to see how other people have dealt with some of these, you know, some of these issues. And, and like you said, it underlines the fact that we're, you know, since we're, we're all in the same boat, in the sense that we all have, you know, we all have these biases, maybe just to in different flavors and different degrees. Yeah. And, and, uh, definitely these, these biases are not exclusive to people without experience in the industry, which was the point of, of putting out that post, because these are some of the best investment minds out there that, that I, that I respect. And everybody had an answer. Everybody had something they, they are able to recognize that they struggle with. And you even hear often that a lot of advisors use advisors for that purpose with, with, you know, their own money, uh, just because you could be, the greatest investor in the world, but it's really tough to see your own blind spots sometimes. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's also something to be said for repetition, you know, as an advisor, you know, you have, you don't just have one client, you have uh, a number of different clients. And over time uh, you get that experience of dealing with people and dealing with their, for lack of a better term, their foibles. And you get, you know, there's a little bit of muscle memory and being able to see how, People react either in times of stress, in terms of market stress, or in your at different points of their lives where there are, you know, either the kids are going to college and we and they have to pay for it, or they're reaching retirement. You know, sort of these touch points in lives which are, you know, by their nature stressful. And as an advisor, you know, doing this over a period of time, you get you get a little bit more experience with that, and you can kind of begin to see uh, some of those issues in a different light. No, no doubt. And uh, I, th- I think really, I mean, the importance of this cannot be stressed enough just because uh, something that, that, that I like to share with clients is that we need to behave well just just to have a shot at earning market return, uh, let alone, I mean, let's not even talk about like outperforming potentially. Like we need to be on our best behavior just to, just to get what the market's offering us. And so if, if we can even just get you know, a, a little bit closer to that by by behaving well. I mean, I I don't think you can put a value on that. Yeah, no, I think you're right in the sense that it, you know you we aren't talking about trying to shoot the lights out or trying to hang on to some sort of high volatility strategy. We're just talking about we're just talking about the nuts and bolts of uh, you know um, anybody who has a portfolio which involves you know some. Uh, risky assets. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, just really, really tough because nobody comes in asking, asking explicitly for help controlling their emotions, uh, and and there's nowhere. There's nowhere in the advisory relationship where we're sending an invoice like, oh, that was the behavioral coaching. So it just uh, it's tough maybe to. Uh, identify when this is even occurring for clients, and so maybe that maybe that plays into uh, people thinking that they don't need it or that it's not uh, a valuable part of the advisor-client relationship because it's it's never explicitly labeled as uh, behavioral coaching. It, it just it just is part of the uh, relationship that we have with clients. Yeah, no, absolutely. Morgan Housel had a post. There's another wrinkle I, I kind of wanted to bring up, and Morgan Housel had written a post um, last week, I think, talking about how it is that when we experience things in our own lives, um, they are become much more salient and they almost kind of get ingrained in our DNA. And, you know, I think that's another aspect of this, which we have to recognize, you know, sometimes, oftentimes, 
you know, an advisor and a client are from different generations and they've had very sort of different visceral sort of experiences with the market and kind of, uh, that's both an advantage and a disadvantage in the sense that, you know, it does give you some distance to look at, you know, other people's behavior, but it also, like we said, it can potentially create biases, you know, of our own. And so I thought that was a really, that was a really interesting post of his, I guess, as all of his are. So. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Love, love what Morgan does. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting sometimes uh, an exercise I, I try to do a lot is to just imagine not that I can do it perfectly, but try to imagine being the recipient of a piece of advice that I'm offering out and, and how it may be received by somebody who has different experiences than I do. And so to just kind of play that, that mental game where you try as best you can to put yourself uh, on the other side of the table or in the, uh, the client's shoes to, to maybe, you know, try to go through uh, advice you're offering and, and see how you could do it better, maybe how you could present it better or phrase it differently. That might also be a problem with behavioral coaching. Is it, is it just a branding problem? Like, can we call it something different so it, isn't, it doesn't have the stigma attached to it that it does? Uh, I'm not sure, but worth, worth thinking about. I, yeah, no, I think being able to test drive a message or test drive um, you know, some sort of advice I think is, is a great, is a great point. And, and that might be one where we want to, uh, leave things. And so, uh, Brendan, I want to thank you for coming on. This has been a, been a great talk and, um, you know, I think everybody should read that post and, uh, we'll send them, uh, send them over to your website. Awesome. Thanks very much, Tadis. All right. Thanks.